Yes, today I'm honored to be once again joined by the President and CEO of the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, John DeLeva. John, what's going on? Hi, John. How are you? It's nice to talk to you again. Yes, it is. Great to talk to you. I'm doing fine, man. Y'all did a great job with this, with this year's astronomy, as always. Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, it's our signature event every year, and we're just so happy that uh, really the basketball community kind of comes together and and uh, sees it as an annual reunion of sorts and also a celebration of those that are being enshrined. And, and uh, you know, for me, it's the stories, uh, just the stories I hear both from the new class and from the returning Hall of Famers. It's just so great to, to be able to just sit back and listen and, and watch them interact. And the stories get better and better, and I'm not sure some of them aren't tall tales, but um, they really are. It's really a big part of our weekend. Yes, the Hall of Fame is a mainstay in Springfield, not just for residents, but also, as you said, future and past Hall of Famers. Every year, past class, class, classes come out and just watch the new, new and swan and the new teammates. Yeah, we had, uh, as a matter of fact, this year we had 68 Hall of Famers at our events over that weekend, uh, which I think is a new record for us. Um, I remember when I first started, in year uh, 1999, I think we had eight Hall of Famers. It was a class of three and five returned. And, you know, we've worked very hard to uh, right. engage with Hall of, Famer, <clears throat> Hall of Famers and make sure that they have a, uh, a great experience. So that has worked out very nicely. Yes, um, we've been president of uh, 20 years of the Festival Hall of Fame. Um, take us back to the to beginning till now. How has how this experience been for you? Well, it's it's a it's a whole it's kind of it's kind of a change of uh, a whole sea change uh, for the Hall of Fame. I remember when I joined in 1999, we were moving from um, the second building, the 1985 uh, version of our building, and that building really was kind of old and stale, and really nothing had been done to it because there was the anticipation of getting into a new building. Uh, and then the new construction started, and unfortunately, we were very undercapitalized. We had a capital campaign that didn't really come to fruition at the level that we wanted it to. So we opened up uh, with a lot of debt, and um, that meant that we were we were really chasing, uh, you know, money, fundraising, philanthropy to pay last month's electric bill. But over the course of the several years following that, and frankly with the help of, of uh, Jerry Colangelo, who kind of stepped up and decided that this was going to be one of his missions, and he's so important in basketball. We've seen what he's done with USA Basketball, and he basically did the same thing with the Basketball Hall of Fame and said, you know, this is an important part of, of basketball, capturing the history, honoring those that have gone before us and making sure that the stories are told. So Jerry stepped up and, and uh, became part of our board and then ultimately became the chairman of our board, it really gave us the gas and the gas tank to, to really kind of reinvent ourselves um, at the Hall of Fame and how we go about you know, just servicing our Hall of Famers and inviting them back and making them feel comfortable, providing the hospitality they need, expanding the media, um, making the event so much bigger and better than it was, and then allowing us to do other things, uh, right. such as collegiate basketball games that happen <clears throat> around the country and now yeah. are happening around the world. We're going to be in London in December with Michigan and Kentucky at the O2 Center, and we've got the Hoop Hall Classic, which is the – the number one uh, high school event in the country in Springfield yes. over the King weekend. So, you know, we've really kind of matured and we've kind of spread our wings and, 
and um, you know, a, a basketball museum, I guess, is supposed to be looking in the rearview mirror and looking backwards. But really, we've kind of we do that pretty well. We capture and tell those stories and honor people. But we also, you know, we're very much in the contemporary game, and I think that's right. important for the Hall of Fame to be contemporary and top of mind, and not just an afterthought or or something that you think about when you think about the history of basketball. Really, the history of basketball is, is, is as late as last night, right, John? Yes, definitely. Yes, and you got those great events at the Hall of Fame also. Your partnership with um, USA Basketball is, is phenomenal. I covered the USA 3-on-3 um, Red Bull tournament there a couple a few months ago. It was a great event. It's always a pleasure to come back to the Hall of Fame. Always a pleasure. Yeah, so that's very exciting for us. So that's the qualifier that sends the uh, – the teams to uh, yeah. to the um, and that you know we just we just take our total center court under our big dome and, and turn it into a, a three on three court and yeah. there and people have a chance to come in and watch you know basically the people that are going to qualify for the Olympics and and represent our country so uh, again that's another way that we we really hit the contemporary game and, and uh, become a part of, of today's game and not just necessarily looking backwards. Yes, each year the strongman just resets itself. Every year a new class comes in. Um, this recent um, strongman had Tim Hardaway, Manager Mobley, uh, George Carl for a few names. I mean, we all, we all knew George Carl from the Supersonics to <laughs> yeah, he's been George Carl. No one more deserving, though. I mean, yeah, he's been around to a lot of different teams, but yeah. uh, well over a 1,000 wins. Um, just, I mean, this is this is the best part of my job is getting to meet these people like George Carl, such a humble guy. He's so um, so much in love with the game of basketball and what it's been able to do for him as a as a player, um, yeah. as a coach. Um, Bob Huggins the same the same way. I mean he's a he's a West Virginia guy through and through, and and um, he's a folksy individual. Um, but you know, when it comes to basketball, just so smart. And you mentioned the players. I mean, Tim Hardaway and, and others that were involved in this class. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, just, just great, great basketball stories and accomplishments um, and, and really kind of uplifting um, and, and, and inspiring for, for young people and, and, you know, people even in the coaching community now to listen to a Bob Huffins, to listen to a George Carl and, and uh, you know, uh, get their wisdom, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, this instrument brought a sense of normalcy back to the event. Um, how was that for you personally? Because you guys persevered very greatly through the COVID. Um, you had had two instruments in one year at one time, and you made it work. Didn't miss a beat. Yes. Well, um, behind the scenes, we might have we might have missed a few beats with COVID, but um, out front, thank you. I'm glad your perception is we didn't. But honestly, um, we did have two instruments in the year 2021. We had the 20. Right in Triman in May of 21 with Kobe and his class, yeah. and uh, one last fall uh, in 2021, September, uh, Bill Russell was in that class, among others. Um, right. Yeah, so, so our book, we have, a, we have an operations manual, and during COVID, that book was about three inches thick, um, and, and, and now that we're back to normal, it's about a half inch thick, so, so th- that gives you the magnitude of, of the amount of policies and restrictions and limitations and requirements yeah. that were involved in running a, an event. Um, yeah. you know, the event hasn't changed a whole lot, but COVID overlay um, caused everybody to um, you know, have all of these extra steps, all these extra expenses. Yeah. Um, and, 
you know, I think of uh, Bill Russell, God rest his soul, last September that wasn't going to come to his uh, enshrinement as a coach. And, and we, um, you know, we kind of broke the mold and we said, it's very important for you to be here, Mr. Russell, but we're going to put you in a private plane and get you here. I know you're COVID averse. Right. Um, and, and he was able to be here. And I look back at that um, and I think about, you know, I talked about reunions a little bit earlier. This was really a chance for the basketball community to come sit with Bill Russell. None of us knew it was the final time. We knew he wasn't healthy. Right, right. Sit with Bill Russell and pay homage to Bill Russell. Um, and I think, I know he had a, he had a wonderful time. He, he was greeted by everyone that was at that uh, enshrinement in September of 21. Yeah. Um, it was just very satisfying to know that the Hall of Fame was part of that, uh, being able to pull the group together, again, that reunion um, and that and that uh, that homage to, to Bill Russell and others. It's it's very satisfying to know that we're a part of that. Yeah, and next year's class is already lining up to be one of the biggest headlined by potentially Dirk Nowitzki, Dwayne Wade, Paul Gasol, Tony Parker. Next year's class is going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, and there's even a rumor that Coach Popovich might allow himself to be nominated. So we're excited about. Wow! That. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So we're, we're uh, I know Mr. Colangelo has talked to him and that I think coach is ready, uh, certainly deserving. There's no question yeah. about it. I think he, it's funny, I was just talking to my curator and I believe that uh, the uh, direction from coach is that Tony Parker must be enshrined first, meaning it could be 10 minutes, it could be a half hour prior to, but Tony right. Parker be enshrined before a coach will allow himself to be enshrined. So uh, okay. this kind of shows the respect that um, Coach Popovich has for his players, and he knows the impact of players on, on what he's produced as, as a coach. Um, so, again, that's a Hall of Fame-level thinking and story. Definitely. Yes, the Hall of Fame has an impact on the surrounding area and always has. From NBA fans to just fans want to get an outing, it's a great location to go to. Um I love coming down there every time I do. It's a great experience. Yeah, and so um, during COVID, we we um, have redone the entire museum. So starting in 2019, and we finished up in May of 2021. Yeah. Every square inch of the museum has been redone. We spent $25 million on recreating, reimagining the whole museum experience. It's very interactive. It's very high-tech, uh, immersive. Yeah. still has a... a, a huge number of, of uh, artifacts that tie back to history and, and give context to history. Um, you know, we've got the Kobe exhibit that was designed um, by Vanessa Bryant. Uh, we've got the TNT where you immerse yourself uh, inside the, you know, the, inside the NBA on TNT with the four guys and you're, you're there on a green screen and you can take yeah. that home. And the center court has all been redone, the Jerry Colangelo court of dreams. Uh, and the exhibits are all, all, all brand new, very immersive. And you know what? We, we're up 65% um, since we've, we've done the museum. So Great. over 19 numbers, pre-COVID, not, not comparing to COVID numbers. That's not fair. But pre-COVID, we're up 65%. And so, and so you know, people are very interested in, in the product that we have to offer. And as you say, and I agree with you, it's a wonderful place to visit. Um, it's very energetic. It's very energizing. Um, and, you know, you see the inspiration. you we see multiple generations of families coming through, grandparents to parents to kids, and, yeah. and the, the stories and the inspiration. And the way we're presenting it, it's relevant both to the 77-year-old as well as the 7- and the 17-year-old in terms yeah. of 
uh, basketball history. So um, I, I give ourselves high marks for that, and I know people are enjoying it. Yes, I love the technology at the Hall of Fame. I love the touch screens. Like a young NBA fan is not familiar with Larry Bird, can look up Larry Bird, touch the screen, see highlights of him, all the stats and everything right in front of your face. They can learn quick. Yeah, and that's by design. So, so the old way we used to do it is have a, a basically a, a picture of Larry Bird and a couple right. of written information. And now, as you say, you come up to this big 55-inch touchscreen, um, and you tap on Larry Bird, and as soon as you do, yeah, you get that picture and you get that, you know, a couple paragraphs of information. But then you swipe like you do on your phone, and you're into his time uh, playing in high school in French Lick, his time playing at Indiana. Indiana State, his time playing for the Boston Celtics for the Olympic team, um, all you know, video and photographs and and his his uh, Hall of Fame speech and you really can immerse yourself. So what used to take maybe a, a minute and a half, two minutes to to read the biography and look at the picture of Larry Bird, now you can spend ten, twelve, fifteen minutes just just immersing yourself into Larry Bird. And there's, there's 400 other, other Hall of Famers to do the same thing. So, um, you know, we know people are spending a lot more time at the museum and having a lot more fun. Uh, um, as soon as you walk up to the Hall of Fame, I know as, from experience, you get like a just relaxed, a relaxed environment feeling. Um, how the team course that you guys have built there, talk about that. Because you, you guys have done a phenomenal job, as I said before. Talk about the team we have at the yeah, Hall of Fame? Yes, yes. Well, we've built. Uh, we have had um, very little turnover. We've had a group that has um, been with us since uh, we opened up our building in 2002. And as I said earlier, we had some very difficult financial times. So it would have been right. easier for, for people to bail out and go find something a little less challenging. But I think what we've, right. we've got is we've got a, a team that was hardened and up for the challenge. And as I say, together with Mr. Colangelo's help and some other key board members, um, we began to get our footing, and then we just uh, really took off from there. And the team has stuck together. Where you know the the word it's funny. I'm on my way to to, to present to a, a sports heritage uh, association meeting, um, and I'm talking about how do you engage your alumni? I.e., how do we engage our Hall of Famers? And the word I come up with is hospitality. Um, and you know we we make sure that we treat Hall of Famers with a very high level of hospitality whenever we engage them at the Hall of Fame. So what you right. see at the enshrinement ceremony really is a focus, certainly right. respect, reverence, and making sure all the, you know, T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, but it's right. hospitality. How can we make this event, you know, a pleasurable one for you and your guests and your family? Right. And, and have you remember the Hall of Fame as a place that, that you want to come back to um, and that you have a great respect for personally? Because, you know, who else do we serve? I mean, certainly we have visitors that come in, but our first customer is the Hall of Famer themselves. Right. If they're in love with their own museum, then we got a problem. But I would tell you, all of the folks that I spent time with the last couple of years, over three enshrinements now, um, the reaction to the museum has been great. So we're doing our we're doing our job. We do have a great team. I'm very lucky to have the support of, of uh, a number of people that have been with me a long time, and we really enjoy what we do. And I, it would be hard to imagine a better job out there. Uh, for you personally, what do you like most about being president of the Hall of Fame? Well, kind of like I said before, it, it's the um, it's the stories. Um, I like to kind of lurk in the background a little bit and just uh, okay. listen to the stories. And then, you know, I, 
I grew up in the in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, so I enjoy the older guys and some of those stories and finding out about, you know, basketball was a very different environment than it is today, right? They traveled by right. bus, by train. There were no charters. They they, they roomed together, two to a room. Um, if you go way back, you, you have the issue of, of, of uh, African-American players not being able to stay in the same hotel or right. uh, all travel issues. You know, Bob Cousy will, will tell those stories. Um, but but and then you get to the more modern day. And, and what I find it's very interesting is, is the more modern day Hall of Famers that played in the 90s and the early 2000s, they too are starstruck by the stories of those that, that went before, you know, the Bob Cousy's and the Oscar Robertson's and the Wayne Embry's. Um, so, so, you know, that watching that, that living history be told, that, that's, that's really cool as well. You know? yeah. And, of course, you know, the creative side of being able to, to run a great museum and updating it on a regular basis and thinking about new exhibits and involving uh, new ideas, that, that's always fun. But it really comes down to the Hall of Famers, the stories, um, and, and, you know, listening deeply to, to uh, the history they bring and the perspective and, and um, you know, how they set the, the bar for today's game, how they kind of set the, you know, set the foundation. So um, that's probably my most enjoyable part. I used to love listening to uh, Earl Lloyd. Um, you remember Earl? Um, he was just a terrific storyteller, first of all. But um, he was he was uh, reverential, respectful. Um, but he had some really hard stories about the integration of the game. Um, but he had the perspective of the time that he that he played it, and 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 that was an interesting to, to hear. Not only the facts; the facts are somewhat horrendous, but the way he dealt with it as a person of color at that time, I thought was, was, you know, very interesting about his personality. So that's the cool thing is, is that, you know, they're all distinct. They've all got great stories and um, I'm, I'm, I'm up to listen to all of them for sure. Yeah. Um, obviously I never be the smartest person in the room and right now I'm not. And it's amazing that you learn from the players also, because <laughs> you've been doing this so long, you've come across a lot of great Hall of Famers. Well, yeah, and, and you know, there's not enough time to tell all the stories. So, right. Um, it's, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm at all. I'm, I wouldn't complain if I was listening to the same stories over and over again, but I'm not because right. you know, a, new class, a, a new class of people or, you, or a Hall of Famer hasn't been to the Hall of Fame for a couple of years, right. and then a whole new set of stories evolves. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, it's just, I mean, you know, Bob Huggins and George Carl telling stories and, and then you get the, you know, Tim Hardaway coming in and giving his perspective on, on some right. of these stories. And it's just, um, you know, there's, there's, there's always new stories. And as we bring new classes in, there's always new stories. And there's always that perspective of these younger players thinking back and talking about the elders, if you will, uh, that went before them. Yes, you have a wonderful you have a wonderful position, and congratulations on all the success of the Hall of Fame and future Hall of Fame success. Well, thank you. Now, you're very kind. You've been very supportive. We love having you uh, at whatever time of the year. I hope you'll think about coming up and visiting during Hoopal Classics. That's around Martin Luther King weekend, and yes. we think if we look forward to the class of 2023, we'll be announcing our finalists at the All Star Game yes. in Salt City in February, and then at the Final Four. At, uh, in Houston, yes. in our elected class of 2023. And then we're also, because Houston and Dallas are so close, Dallas is where the women's Final Four is, we are thinking about how do we 
uh, you know, how do we do something there um, as well? So because, as you know, the Nate Smith Hall of Fame celebrates the entire game, men, women, pro, college, school. Um, That was Dr. Nate Smith's um, directive, basically, when he invented the game, was this game is And so we're, we're, we're continuing that mantra that he established very early on. Yeah, you're doing a phenomenal job. John, thank you for your time. As always, always a pleasure speaking with you. John, same here, and I wish you well, and I hope to see you soon down the road at a basketball event or at the Hall of Fame. Please come see us again. Will do. Thanks for your time. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yes, that was President and CEO of the Nate Smith Memorial Hall of, Basketball Hall of Fame, John DeLiva. Thanks for joining me. Catch you next time.